Hello, friends, and welcome or welcome back to the Scenes Like Die Culture podcast. If you are new here, my name is Mallory Page. I'm your host, and I am also a registered dietitian. And I am also recording this on National RD Day, which stands for Registered Dietitian, and International Women's Day. Loving that those two things are on the same day. Honestly, I don't feel like I knew that, but it really is giving me good energy to go and start this podcast and record, and I'm excited for it. I am doing a topic that I feel like I haven't covered in forever, which is body image, but I want to share it in a lens that you may not have heard of before, which is grief. This topic is one that I find to be extremely transformational and to really help give context to the body image struggle in a way that many other methodologies around body image just don't. But before we get into the episode, I do want to say and really reiterate that this is not my concept. This concept is one that Brianna Campos, Body Image with Brie, I will include her links down below, really created and has spread popularity of this concept and She is so incredible. She has an absolutely amazing podcast where she talks about this stuff, and I would really, really suggest checking her out. And it's also, of course, important for me to name that as a thin, white, cisgender woman, I have experienced an incredible amount of privilege in my life, and the way that people view my body is 100% included in that. So my goal is to always hold space and extend empathy to those in any different type of body. But at the same time, I understand that I don't understand everybody's experience. Because of this, I'm not going to be centering myself in this conversation or discussing my journey. I'm really going to be going over this concept, and I hope that no matter what type of body you reside in, you can really resonate with it. And last disclaimer, of course, it's so important to name all of the women, especially people of color that have been putting this movement of body image on their back for years and years and years. A really important book that kind of talks about this is Fearing the Black Body, the Racial Origins of Fat Phobia. If you really want to understand the ways in which body image judgment and judgment of bodies that are not quote-unquote typical thin white bodies came about, that book is quite a transformational one. So I know that sometimes when you're listening to these type of disclaimers at the beginning, you can ask yourself, well, why is this important or do we really need to go through this? But for me as someone that I know works in this space and also benefits from societal privilege. I just feel like it's remiss. I'm remiss not to mention these really important aspects and give credit where credit is fully due. But I am really excited about this topic because of everything that I mentioned earlier. So let's just dive right into it because there's a lot of good stuff that we have to go through. The first thing that we need to understand is the idea of grief. So most often than not, we think about grief in the context of losing someone that we love or someone that we know. But grief is so much broader than that. It could be just considered that loss or sorrow that you experience, which causes you distress. And I imagine if we were to sit here and you were to think, 
what is an experience with my body image and how has that made me feel, there are most likely ones that would come up that would remind you of a feeling of distress. And that's important to understand. And when we talk about grief, we know that there are five stages of the grieving process, at least five stages that are currently accepted. I'm actually going to talk about a sixth stage that there are some people out there trying to like get this stage accepted within the five stages, which would make it six. But the main five stages go as such. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. They have been able to see this process happen continual times and in multiple different people and multiple different types of situations. And as we start to apply it to body image, you'll be able to see the similarities that come up within the phases to your body image journey. Because how I would like for you to think about it as we step through these phases is that you are not just healing your body image. You are also grieving your own version of an ideal body and also what you thought that ideal body would bring to you. And also this somewhat of friendship or kinship that you had to the idea of living living in this certain body that you feel is more societally acceptable or will bring about these certain wins or triumphs or experiences that you're looking for. So I'm going to go through each of the different phases and explain a little bit of what this could feel like, what this could sound like, and then also give an actionable step for that phase. I will say in my program, Live Unrestricted, we use this concept, but we go much more in depth with the concept and apply it more personally because as I give you these actionable tips, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, well, I like that, but I feel like I would need a little bit more or I need to know how to do that for me. And that is the piece where getting help is super important. So this will be a good framework. It's actionable things that you can work on and it will give you more understanding. But of course, it's not going to be the supplement to getting that support that's really specific to you, that connects to your experiences and also helps you to overcome the limiting beliefs that often coincide with this or give you the information that you may need to combat this more logically. So just keep that in mind. My program, Live Unrestricted, that I was discussing is always linked down below. So if you would like to check that out, we're currently accepting applications for our May round, but this should still be a helpful starting point. So let's kick it off with the denial phase. Every single one of us listening to this podcast has been in the denial phase. There's no question about it. I was in the denial phase for such a long time, personally. Now, you may be wondering, what would this feel like? what would I be saying? So it could feel like confusion. How could haze, which is health at every size, or intuitive eating actually work? How could I ever be okay with my body, no matter the size? How could I ever feel accepting of gaining weight? It could also be fear. How do I know this is going to work? What if it makes things even worse? And then avoidance. I'm not doing this. 
as I go through those, do you feel like there's one that you can relate to and you think about or can imagine the time where you've said something like this? The denial phase is really hard because of the fact that we're not always ready to act in this phase. And you may even enter into recovery still feeling like you're in somewhat of denial around body image because we can feel ready to change our habits around food and even exercise without feeling like we're actually ready to work on the challenging pieces of the body image journey. And the thing about denial is we can live here for quite a long time. Something I'm going to be doing throughout the podcast is comparing these stages of grief to a relationship. I feel this is more fitting than comparing to losing someone, not only because that can feel a little bit minimizing, but also because relationships, everyone's gone through them to an extent. So if we were to do this in the denial phase, this would be when you're in a relationship and you start to think that maybe it's not working out. You know, you guys aren't really a good fit but you feel like you're not fully ready to actually break up with that person or you're in denial that you need to break up with that person. And this could be because they're toxic or it could be because you guys are just not the right fit for each other anymore. You've kind of grown apart. But the key to remember is that you may have these thoughts, but you're not yet acting on them. You are still staying with that person. You're still in a way kind of stagnant in that relationship. It's a painful phase for that person or for any of us to be in because of the fact that it doesn't really feel like there's much happening. We're just really, really stuck. Now, the most important piece of the denial phase is, of course, learning how we can work out of it, which often requires us to really learn and educate ourselves on why the things that we're believing to be true or not true are in fact the opposite. So for example, why can hazen intuitive eating work? Why is it not true that you'll never be okay with your body? All of those type of steps are extremely important in helping to pull you out of this, but it also takes recognizing the harm that being in this phase is doing you because more often than not, you're still fully in those habits in this phase, right? You're still doing the restricting or the dieting or the over-exercising or trying not to accept that your body could ever change, right? So you're still in that. And so we have to also recognize that. And that is often the hardest part actually recognizing that this is a problem, that you want to work on it, and understanding the harm that staying in this phase has caused you. So that is our first denial phase. Once we exit out of denial, we'll go into the phase of anger. Now, something that I see a lot when it comes to women in the anger phase is that it it makes us feel pretty uncomfortable. And some of the things that we may find ourselves saying, whether it be out loud or whether it just be to ourselves, is why did I have to be born into this body when other people look like blank? Why is the diet industry like this and why did I waste so much time in it? 
why do I have to do this? Why do I have to recover? Why do I have to let go of my ideal body? Why, why, why? All of those type of feelings come up and a lot of anger is often attached to this. And unfortunately, during due to the, the kind of gender norms that we have in society that many people accept, women are not always encouraged or more often than not really kind of told not to express or to show their anger. It makes them feel kind of uncomfortable or like maybe they're doing something wrong or that doesn't align with the stereotype they're supposed to fill. On the other hand, for men, more often they're not told they're told not to be emotional. Don't show your emotions, don't cry. And we can see that kind of dichotomy when it comes to this stage of body grief because most often than not when I am discussing the phase of anger with women in my program or with just my friends, they feel a sense of shame and judgment and guilt that they're even having these thoughts. They almost feel guilty that they would think, why did I have to be born into this body when other people look like this? But at the same time, that plagues them. It follows them. They feel it when they're comparing themselves to other people in life or on Instagram or whatever else it may be. Same thing with that, why do I have to do this phase? It, it makes them feel that discomfort of like, but why is it that I don't want to do this? Why can't I just commit to, to being better for myself if I know that I should? And we judge ourselves so much that it not only is challenging to be dealing with the anger itself, but it's challenging to be dealing with the judgment that we're feeling about the anger. If we were, again, to compare this to a relationship, there's going to be variation depending on what that relationship was like. And you can even compare this to how severe your issues with food and exercise and body image were. So let's say it's toxic. Not only are you going to feel angry at that person for how they treated you, maybe they were abusive or really mean to you or they cheated on you or whatever it was, and you're going to feel that anger towards them, but you also often feel that anger towards yourself of why did you stay with them? Why did you stay so long? You wasted so much time. Now, you may feel that exact same sentiment of why did you stay with them, why did you waste so much time, even in a healthy relationship as well. And both of those are going to bring about shame no matter how that relationship was. But if it was a healthy relationship, you also may feel shame about the fact that you even are feeling angry towards this person because technically they didn't do anything wrong. You guys just grew apart. But that anger is still there and that's where we start to judge ourselves more. So there's a lot of mental reframes that need to happen during this phase and also a lot of things that you can do to help you even understand and accept the emotions that are coming up, right? So there's one piece of this that's important to talk about of, you know, it is really unfair that there are people in society that are favored for a specific body and that there are bodies, people in larger bodies that are judged for how their body looks. It's unfair. It's angering. It's frustrating. But you have to allow yourself to really feel those type of emotions and even understand how those are affecting you. That's one thing. Now, something that I think can be really helpful during this phase is not only talking to others, but creating dialogue with yourself. 
So this could look like writing a letter to the diet industry, the wellness industry, whatever it may be that explains how you feel. It could be journaling on why it upsets you that you spent so much time not healing or that you spent so much time or wasted so much time, at least if that's how you feel, struggling with these habits. Come to terms with these feelings rather than guilting yourself for experiencing them. Because until we can accept that these are feelings that are coming up and start to wrap our mind around them, again, we aren't able to fully move forward. Once we get out of anger, we head into the bargaining phase. So bargaining is a very challenging phase. Oftentimes, it's quite synonymous with guilt or it goes hand in in hand with guilt. And this is more often than not, as Brianna Campos discusses really well in many of her podcasts and her content, it is typically that space where we can get stuck. And there's a lot of reasons for why we can get stuck. But a lot of the time, it is because of the fact that we're creating a bunch of different reasons as to why we either don't need to move forward, that this thing doesn't apply to us, that we could just do one thing different and everything would change. So some ways that it may feel is finding new ways to engage in habits that still don't serve you. So I see this a lot, and this is a big topic of discussion that comes up in my programs, but it's the, oh, I'm no longer doing X, Y, and Z for health or for weight. It's for health. Oh, I just have more energy when I'm this size or when I eat this. No, no, I'm not balancing my blood sugar because of trying to lose weight. I'm doing it because I heard it will do X, Y, and Z for my health. No, I'm not focusing on gut health to have a flat stomach. I'm doing it to be the best version of myself, right? There's a million different examples that I could give in this phase, but this one is is very easy to get stuck in this specific point because wellness culture now is so pervasive and we're a lot more aware of diet culture, but a lot less aware of wellness culture and the fact that it's really just diet culture in disguise. Now, the other piece of this is the, if I don't allow myself to feel these emotions, I won't be able to get out of them. If I allow myself to feel these emotions, I won't be able to get out of them. Sorry. This is often because you're on the precipice of the depression phase and we can kind of feel that draw to experiencing the emotions because by the time you get to bargaining, you may be toying around with some of the habits that you're doing. Maybe you sought out help. Maybe you're just really trying to commit to changing up things that you're doing in your life. So things are getting disrupted. You're unearthing emotions. And more often than not, that's why we're finding new ways to control those emotions, control what we're doing, and overall suppress the emotions that we're feeling. 
And the depression phase calls to us to allow ourselves to feel those. So we can feel that and we feel afraid of that. And we don't know how we're going to be able to get through that if we allow ourselves to experiencing it. And then the last one, I just chuckle because this was so freaking me, but going back and forth a hundred times on why you shouldn't fully commit to body acceptance. Who has done this? (laughs) Oh no, I can't do body acceptance because the body I'll end up with won't be healthy. Oh, I shouldn't do body acceptance because I have X, Y, and Z what's the word that I'm looking for? Basically saying that you have a reason as to why you should, oh, exception. You have X, Y, and Z exception, if I could think of that. And there's just all of these different sentences and thoughts you can tell yourself, oh, I'll start body acceptance once I lose weight. Oh, maybe I'll just have some type of sickness or something come up. And then once that happens, I'll accept my body. Or maybe it's now you're thinking, oh, I'm going to do Ozempic and I'm going to be able to accept my body there. There's a million different things that you could be saying to yourself. But really, the way that I like to think about it is your negative voice is bargaining with your healthy voice. So I keep saying this as in bargaining. When we think about bargaining, we think about two people going back and forth trying to reach somewhat of a conclusion, right? And in this space, people can be like, well, who am I bargaining with? But you're actually bargaining with yourself. Oftentimes, that negative voice, that ED voice, that body-obsessed voice is very influenced by society. It's influenced by people in your life that have generated painful experiences for you. It's influenced by your own fears. And then the healthy version of yourself, the highest version of yourself, the happiest version of yourself, non-ED version of yourself, is influenced by the, the bigger vision, the fact that you have faith in yourself, the motivation to heal The positive voices, maybe your professional support or friends and family in your life that wants you to get to a place where you don't have to deal with this. And those two are like the angel and the devil on your shoulder that are constantly going back and forth and bickering. And it's very exhausting to be in this phase. Most often when people come to me in this phase, it well, I should say, most often than not, I have clients come to me and they are in this phase. Now, they may still be experiencing feelings from all the different phases, especially anger and denial. We'll talk about this more in a little bit, but this doesn't happen in a perfect path. So you don't just stay in the bargaining phase and only have bargaining feelings. You can go back and forth, but more often than not, the people that I'm working with, because the women I work with in Love Unrestricted, you know, they're stuck in that quasi-recovery, that in-between, not the worst they've ever been, not the best they've ever been. They're willing to invest in themselves and get better, but they have a lot of fears, especially about weight gain and body changes. They're in this space where they're trying to create a million excuses as to why they can't and shouldn't move forward. And the best thing that you can do during this phase, guys, is get help. There's just no question about it. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. It is the best time that you could get that support because although talking, learning, you know, all that stuff is important in every phase, this 
is the very important phase to talk things out. And this is where I was saying we need some of that catered and personalized body image work or even habit work on like what you're doing that's supporting you staying in a negative mindset around body image. And this this phase is where that is the hardest. It's the hardest phase to overcome without outside support is what I'll say. Now, that does not mean that the only way you can get through this is with support. I know some people cannot afford that. And so if you can join a free support group, that could be huge. If you can start to become more aware of your habits, that's a big thing. So, you know, cleanse your feed. Think about the trends that you're thinking about engaging in and start to refute those and find a more credible source. Follow different types of bodies on your feed, different races, disabilities, people that have a multitude of experiences, and even just writing down all of the reasons why moving forward is worth it in relationship to not moving forward and kind of asking yourself like, okay, well, do I want to get stuck in this in-between phase forever or do I want to move forward and just feel the emotions? So the bargaining phase, this is often where people get stuck, but it's also the turning point, in my opinion. So once we get out of that bargaining phase, we enter what we like to call the depression phase of grief. So, oh, I forgot to give you guys my relationship analogy and relationship to bargaining. So let's just pin the depression phase and really quickly come back to the bargaining phase. I would say that this is the time where you keep considering going back to the ex, okay? You know at this point, finally, that the ex is toxic, okay? You may not have known at the beginning, like when we were talking about the the anger and the denial phase, at that point, you may be like, okay, yeah, no, like it was fine, But even if they're not toxic in the sense of it in a way that's so overt, you realize that for you, it's toxic. For you, it's not leading you to being your best self, your happiest self, which is why you broke up, right? That's why you're trying to move out of it. Even if there are good moments, it's not good overall. But you feel like, you know, maybe you keep texting them or you you hang out a few times. You're like, oh, you know, maybe we just need to try again. And you're afraid of being on your own. You're afraid of experiencing the emotions that come with the breakup. And that is the bargaining phase. Have I been there before? (laughs) Now we go into the depression phase. This phase, I would say, is more often than not the hardest phase. It is that blank space that feels just uncomfortable. Sometimes it feels like there's just not a way out and you don't know what to do with all the pain and the sadness and the emotions and the grief. And who wants to feel sadness and grief? Who wants to have to deal with all of those overwhelming emotions that have built up for years? No one. We want to avoid pain and emotions. It's our natural response, right? But one of my favorite things to think about is that without emotion, we are not in motion. 
and that's so cheesy, but it's really true. Emotions are emotion, and they push us forward, and without experiencing these at every stage, but especially at this stage where it feels the hardest and the least productive, we can't move forward. Something that I've been told before about anxiety and depression and how they exist on a spectrum is that the thing about anxiety, which can often coincide with anger or activity, is it feels very productive, even if it's harmful. And the thing about depression is that it doesn't feel productive. It feels like we're stagnant. It feels even like we're moving backwards and it's sucking us downwards. And that's why it's so much easier to go back into the anxiety than it is to exist within that state of depression. And now I do want to name that this type of depression is not clinically diagnosed depression, although of course there may feel like there's similarities. It's important to note that by going through this phase, you are not then diagnosed with depression. And if you do feel like you're dealing with that, of course, please do seek out a psychiatrist and help and get that support that you need. Now, what you may be feeling during depression, who am I? without my body looking a certain way and or focusing on it looking a certain way. My life is going to be miserable without thin privilege or without living in my ideal body. This is also where the most limiting beliefs come in. Things like, I'm never going to be happy in a relationship now. No one will ever love me the same. I'm never going to be able to wear that. I'm never going to be accomplishing this in my business, in my life, with my kids. We can tell ourselves a million different limiting beliefs. We actually had our call this week on limiting beliefs and live unrestricted. It's our halfway point call, and it was so powerful. And the amount of connections that come up to yourself in this phase are beautiful and heart-wrenching. I had a woman in the group that was sharing how... From such a young age, she felt like she was so different than everybody else and she didn't fit in. And she felt like at least her body was something that she could control to make herself look more similar to everyone else when she felt like who she was wasn't enough and it wasn't acceptable and it wasn't lovable. I literally get emotional just thinking about it because she was getting emotional on the call and it was so beautiful to hear her share that. But it was so painful. Like, don't we all know what that feels like to just be in a scenario where we don't feel like we fit in or where our body makes us feel like we're we're not good enough or where we just wish so badly that we were or could be someone else? It's so sad, especially for us women, how much of our body is a focus from such a young age and how much that impacts the way that we feel about who we are. And oh, I'm going on a tangent, but those limiting beliefs that come up, they're hard. I talk about the cycle of how limiting beliefs are created in that call and the way that they come together to not even feel like a limiting belief, but just a fact, just the truth, just who we are. And we have to start to dig deeper to understand that, no, this is not who I am. This is a belief that I have drawn from a painful experience that I can break out of. And as you can imagine, to go along with these other points, the feeling of it's never going to get better comes up. We have all been here before. 
I don't care what age you are or what type of relationships you've had. Every single one of us, to a certain extent, has been in this depression phase in one thing or the other. If we take it back to our relationship analogy, it's that point where you move through the denial and the anger and the bargaining, and then you're left with being by yourself. You're left with the emotions that not only the relationship brought up, but the things about yourself that maybe you weren't seeing in the relationship, that that relationship was covering up or wasn't exposing now that you're more alone with your thoughts and all of the things that you may start believing about yourself. I'm never going to find a partner again. They didn't really love me. Whatever it may be that's coming up for you. And that can make you feel like it's never going to get better, right? But the thing is, is that just as we know with relationships from the past, even if there is still pain left over from that relationship or it never fully heals, especially if we're talking about grief, right? Like we never fully come to terms 100% or feel happy with the fact that we lost someone in our life. We can get to a point where we can move through those very painful emotions and allow for time to create more healing. So things to do in this phase is I know it isn't always fun, but writing down, sitting with, talking through those emotions. I mean, I am not a big journaler. And what I love to do is literally sit with my phone or even on my podcast mic and just talk it out. Just speak about it. It doesn't even have to be to someone. If you can't afford a therapist or if you even just want to do it on your own, that is so, so powerful. And we need to know what we're dealing with in order to be able to work through it. Also, thinking about all of the different things that you believe were only going to be able to come about through a certain type of body, through your ideal body, right? So maybe you thought you could only wear shorts when you were in this phase. You would only find a partner. You could only date when you're in this phase. And start doing those when you're not in that phase. Of course, easier said than done, right? But still, doing those things is very powerful. And then, of course, just give yourself grace and time, guys. We all need that time. And as always, if you can get support during these two phases, especially the last one, bargaining, and this one, it's very important. Okay, we've gotten through the toughest pieces, and now we're finally moving into acceptance. Thank the Lord, right? What the heck does it look like? Well, number one, Your emotions around body image don't feel so debilitating. You can see in moments that your body isn't your worth. And you can acknowledge that striving for body changes and using food and exercise or whatever other mechanisms you were in order to achieve this ideal body were not beneficial for you in the long run. That's a huge realization. It's so easy to try to hold on to all of these little reasons that what we were doing is actually good for us. And in reality, once we get to that point where we recognize it's not, it's super powerful. And then it's even just the realization of like, wow, I've had way less bad body image days. (laughs) So all of these things start to come up and it feels really, really good. It feels like you are finally moving out of those really intense, painful emotions and into a little bit of relief, more neutrality, more just normal days. 
and you may wonder what to do in this phase. And I think that the biggest piece of this phase is keeping up with what helped to get you here. You know, having those grounding practices that help you with your emotions, avoiding triggers, making sure to know how to navigate conversations with friends, survey the people in your life, and focus on staying in body neutrality and body acceptance instead of positivity. You don't want to get caught up with your body becoming your worth still or your body being such a huge part of what makes you feel like you can love yourself because there are going to be many times throughout the acceptance phase where your body image is still changing, whether it be mentally or where whether it be physically. And if we get attached to our body that we have during the acceptance phase, we're really setting ourselves up for failure because we're not going to be able to actually stay there. And then once we are not there, that can lead us into a triggered space. So the acceptance phase is one that feels in a way like you've made it and also feels in a way like, okay, I still have to set up realistic expectations for myself, right? So if we were to take it back to the relationship analogy, there are many times where we can get into that that acceptance phase where we feel like, okay, you know what? I'm good with this. Like, I don't feel like I am still grieving over my partner. But at the same time, is it really the space to start hanging out with them every day by yourselves? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how close are we getting to drawing ourselves out of the acceptance phase? We got to be mindful. We can't, like, be going over hanging out alone, be like, oh yeah, no, it's fine if we like kiss and hold hands and stuff. Like we're still just friends. Like we're still fine. We're still accepting it. That's what I would compare to this phase of acceptance. There's that amazing part of it, but then there's still that piece of it where you have to be mindful. So those are the five stages. And in my group Live Unrestricted, we take this many steps forward where we discuss set point weight, metabolism, body neutrality versus body positivity, give specific tangible steps, talk through limiting beliefs, and all of that other great stuff in conjunction with this because this is one piece of the puzzle. But even as you listen to this, you may think, okay, I feel like I need more information on this area or how to do this. Just know that's normal. There's more exploration to be done even outside of this really amazing concept but hopefully you feel like it was able to help you in understanding that. Now, let's talk about the sixth stage of grief that is not yet accepted into the five stages, but I feel is super important. And Brianna Campos talks about this as well on her podcast. The sixth stage of grief is finding meaning and purpose. And how it feels is starting to see why you struggled in the way that you did. So what that could mean is that you end up working in the field. So for example, I'm that person. I ended up working in this field and I'm so grateful for the challenges I went through with my eating disorder now because of the fact that it led me to this. But that doesn't have to be everyone. It could be the fact that you know you're not passing this to friends or family or future family. It could be the fact that you know that you're changing society and helping women to escape this. It could mean that you recognize that you're pushing this field forward. It could mean anything that gives you that feeling of purpose. And this 
adds a lot of conviction. So when you are, let's take it back to the relationship analogy for simplicity. So let's say you get to that acceptance phase. The acceptance phase is cool because you're feeling better. You know, you're free of those really painful, challenging emotions. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you're feeling tons of positive emotions either. You're kind of just neutral. Like things are better, which feels good compared to where you were, but they're not amazing. But then, you know, when you start to recognize that, oh my gosh, because me and my partner broke up, like I moved to this new place and this new place that I moved is just so amazing for me. And I got this job and this job is so awesome. And because they wanted to stay in that place and I didn't, I never would have been able to get this job and I have these amazing friends and I feel like I'm just such a better version of myself. And then maybe and eventually you even find the other partner that you recognize, wow, now that I look back, I see why that relationship wasn't meant to work. This is the finding meaning and purpose phase. And when you start to have all of these positive experiences accumulate on the good side versus the bad side, which in this sense, good means having body acceptance versus bad means being stuck in the idealization. Is that even a word? Idealization. Boom. Of the thin ideal or of a certain type of ideal body. And that makes it so that it's a lot easier to have less desire to go back because you recognize in that point that you would have to give up all of the other things on this right side to go back to what's on that wrong side or that left side or however you want to view it. I say right and left because as I was talking out with my hands, like I do in this podcast, (laughs) the stuff for body acceptance was on the right and the other stuff, the negative one was on the left. Whenever we can start to understand the broader context of all of the nice and wonderful things that a change has brought to us, it makes it so much easier to be motivated to stay in that phase. So I would definitely implore you to think about this phase in your journey to body acceptance as well. But even as I go through all of this, I think something that's really, really important to mention is that This does not work in a foolproof step-by-step cycle. It is messy. There is this graph that I have (laughs) that shows the stages of grief and how it's like this pretty little line. And then on the right side, it shows the stages of grief, but just a bunch of squiggles through it. And that is 100% how this feels. There could be a day where you feel like you're in acceptance and someone says something about their body and momentarily it takes you back into denial of, oh my gosh, should I be doing that? Should I be changing my body? It could also be experiences like prepping for your wedding and feeling that pressure. It could be having a child. It could be so many different things. And I think the important thing to remember is that As you go through this process, but especially as you fluctuate through different places, your emotions are not you. You are experiencing your emotions. This is so much easier said than done. But when we can remember this and internalize it, it allows us to bring a perspective to what we're experiencing and see things much, much more clearly. 
than if we were to just think that every time we are experiencing anger or depression or denial, that that means we are back in there, that that is us. We are the denial phase. We are the depression phase. No, I'm just experiencing this today. And I know from experiences that I've had in my past or in my future that I know I'm going to have, that this isn't going to last forever. Again, take it back to that relationship analogy. Think about when you were so deep into that friendship loss, parent challenging relationship or relationship loss, and you thought it would never get better. But now you're on the other side of it and you're like, wait, it's so much better. I see why I had that. That shows you that you were not that emotion. It was just something that you were experiencing. I really hope that this episode was helpful for you. I'm so appreciative of the women and creators, practitioners that have put so much work and effort behind spreading this ideology, especially those that are met with resistance for any number of reasons. And I'm so grateful to be able to have the opportunity to share this with you guys. I feel that this message is so important that the more people that share it, the better. But I would definitely encourage you to head over to podcasts like Rihanna Campos that share about this even more in depth. She has really cool interviews on this. And so it's a really great place to go. If you're dealing with not just specifically body image struggles, but struggles with your relationship with food, exercise, and body image, and you just feel really stuck. You know, you're in that in-between. You're not the worst you've ever been. You're not the best in in full freedom. And you feel like you just don't know what to do. You don't have the tangible steps. You listen to podcasts like this, or you hear about different ideologies like All In or different ways to recover, and yet none of them really fully resonate in a way that allows you to move forward, then my program, Live Unrestricted, is 100% for you. We are currently accepting applications for our next round, and spots are filling very quickly. This is a very popular round we have. I already had two consults today with women that joined, and this group is shaping out to be absolutely freaking incredible. So I, as I said earlier, have that linked down below my Love Unrestricted page. I also have my um, Instagram linked down below and an area to submit any podres- pod- whoa, podcast request that you have for the website. Well, it's on a website. Wow. See, I was got through this episode and then sometimes I get to the exit and I just lose it. Like, <laughs> I had it together and I'm just like, nope, it's done now. So I'll, I'll let it go. I'll leave you guys be. Um, again, just thank you so much for being here. Please let me know if you enjoyed this. If you did, I would just so appreciate you leaving a rating or review and letting me know your thoughts on Apple reviews or leaving a star on Spotify. If you want to share this on your feed or on your story, that would mean the most. Or just even shoot me a DM and let me know what you thought. Thank you so much, guys. Love you all. Bye.